This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hi there. You're about to listen to one of the original Shrink Chicks episodes. We think it's so amazing that you're here, but we do have to warn you that what might not be so amazing is the sound quality of this episode. We started this podcast in Emily, my bedroom, back in 2019 with two really bad mics, one mediocre recording device, and zero idea about what we were doing. If you are sensitive to sound quality, we encourage you to check out Season 2 and Beyond, where we learned a little bit more about podcasting, and also we just outsourced our audio. Thanks so much for being here, and enjoy today's episode. Hello, welcome to Shrink Chicks. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. <laughs> we're <laughs> laughing because Jen and I, before we start recording, we're like, oh, we better start recording because every therapist we know is so overwhelmed and like overworked right now. Like people are like, oh, I really need a clinician. I'm like, good luck. Um, okay. And that is because the world is on fire. <laughs> world's on fire. Also, Emily, uh, can I tell this yeah, story? Yes. <laughs> Emily texted me on Sunday and... <laughs> Just simple line of, are you depressed? (laughs) I I looked at my phone and I was like, oh my God, how does she know? (laughs) And then I wrote back because I am. It's funny, like, you know, I think on this show, we talk a lot about anxiety, but we haven't talked as much about depression, which is like something you and I have both suffered from for a long time. Oh, yeah. We have a low level of depression, both of us. Thankfully- at age eight. Yeah, right. So like at eight, like I would say for me, like it's really hard to say, right? Because like I started therapy like due to like self-harm and like trauma survivor stuff. So like it, it's hard to know what was like trauma PTSD and like what was depression. <laughs> um it's really fun, you know, <laughs> gamut fun, of your diversity there. Right. <laughs> but so like even as clinicians, like you know, like we talk about this shit because like we really get it. <laughs> Yeah, like when we're saying we understand you, we really understand you. We really, really fucking get it. And for Jay and I, we're both like very high functioning depression. Well, actually, I'm incredibly high functioning depression. You're pretty high functioning depression, but you'll go a little bit more inward. I like overwork. Yeah. So, so we just handle. You shell yourself. You 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 hermit crab it. Yeah, which which is the way that I deal with it. But you know what? The I think that. We, we still struggle with things, but we've really learned how to work through it. And I think it doesn't that mean that, you don't experience it, right? Like, you know, exactly. Like working through it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. It means it happens. And then we figure out how to work through it and get yeah. through it. And, and in order to get through it, we text each other and say, are you depressed? <laughs> yes. Just validate each other. <laughs> like last night I had to call you because I was having a really hard time, right? Like what it gets down to it is like, you know, somebody had recently asked me like, what is your favorite form of self-care and for me it is like as much as I say it's like cleaning my house or you know riding my bike or whatever like it is 100% like asking for help and that's the hardest one for me and always the most beneficial one 100% and you know what we rarely call each other and like give each other therapy no we don't we had to make a rule in our relationship because we made <laughs> like when we were in grad because school. Because we both have therapists. We don't need to use each other for therapy. Exactly. Exactly. And it's it's not healthy to use your friends as therapists. And when we were in grad school, we made that mistake <laughs> where Emily was talking to me about something. And I was like, yeah, so how does that feel for you? And she was like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> She's like, do not be my therapist right now. So, so right. <laughs> 
But like at, when you become a therapist, you kind of lose your like social skills. Yes, you do. Like all I'm doing in my head is analyzing things. And I listen, have you ever like been, I mean, I know this ha- hasn't happened recently, but have you ever been in a situation where you're listening to two people talk and like give each other advice and you're like, oh God, like it's that bad advice. <laughs> horrible advice. But like, I kind of wish I was still at that point where I could just yes, like, you just do it. Yeah. I could just do well, that. Well, we like, overthink everything because I'm like, well, it's hard for me to really make a recommendation. Can you tell me more about your mother? You know, yeah, right? Like, <laughs> right. Exactly. Like our social skills are so off. Yeah, now. not good, right? Like, and then it's just, I think, I think when I like try, I'm like, where is he in his birth order? Hmm, right. he's right. Very interesting. <laughs> like, what are the, what's the trauma that you've experienced in the past? Yeah, right? How is this? And right, so like. <laughs> It's so funny, right? I don't know what this has to do with boundaries. Today's episode is about a mesh. No, look, I got the segue. I got the segue. Okay, what is it? Right, <laughs> right. So like going into family dynamics. Yes, yes. Family dynamics. So before you give you, so, so you listening, before you give your friends some shitty advice, listen to us first. Listen to us so you can give some therapeutic advice and so your friends stop talking to you well you know what and then I had also had oh my god I can't remember who oh I think Mary Chen Mary Chen one of our favorite people in the world amazing clinician in Philadelphia if you need someone um we she had told us that she had some friends that at the start of quarantine stopped seeing their therapist because they said they could feel how overwhelmed their therapists were Right. Like that they could like right. tell that their therapists were taking care of themselves. And I would bet that I, you, your clients probably have never felt that from you because your, your poker face is unbelievable, Jen. <laughs> My you. clients probably been like, this lady might be losing it a little bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I have in the past had therapists where I've been like, oh, you're projecting your shit onto yeah. me. Yeah. Like you could just like pick it up. You can tell. We're so um, imperfect. I mean, I think that's the hard thing. And that's the other thing about like, this is why there's a huge issue within our field. Like you can't make your therapist your guru. Like this shit will not fucking work. Because we're right? human too. We're but you so know what? human. At, at but anyone, therapy. right? Don't make Tony Robbins your guru. Don't make fucking like, you know, any of these Instagram therapists, guru. anyone. <laughs> and, and you know what? As therapists, it's our job to work on taking care of ourselves. And so that's kind of what we're alluding to is that like when we're struggling, We work to take care of ourselves. We call each other. We ask each other for help. Um, So once again, we got off topic again. Story. I don't know what it's about, but once again, happy Wednesday. I guess because, oh, I guess the message behind this is if you are really struggling right now, you're really not alone. Every person seems to really be having a challenging time right now. So if you have relationships, and we can call it planetary alignment, we can call it that, you know, our president sucks, we can call it that there is a fucking deadly virus going around, who knows what we call it. But there's a lot, like, to bring up shit for you. I text so if you're struggling, that's okay. I texted Emily this morning and said, hey, how are you feeling? (laughs) Like, what's going on? (laughs) She said, so much better. I said, I'm so glad you're feeling better. I hope everyone in the world also yes. feels better. <laughs> everyone is struggling. Like something's, ha- something's in the air. Yeah, there is. So if you're there, we want you to know we're thinking of you today. And this too shall pass, we hope. And so let's get into it. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. Let's do this. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. Right. So in our last episode, we talked a lot about boundaries and we're going to talk about boundaries today, but in a more specific way. And this idea in the term of enmeshment and enmeshment is the relationship between two or more people in which personal boundaries are permeable and unclear. Right. So 
the enmeshment's also used in other forms. It's another like, you know, typical name for it. it's called fused, like two people are fused together, right? You know, it's interesting too, um, you know, we talk about it and we're, we're going to talk about enmeshment and how it affects uh, boundaries and your family relationships and probably in your friendships, romantic relationships. Um, but I think like socially enmeshment is almost romanticized in a way. Like it's Ooh, yeah. at something that's really positive. Where you like say, Urban oh, Dictionary, we're called butt buddies. <laughs> yeah, right. Where you're like, oh, um, I'm really, when people are like, oh, I'm really close to my mom. Yeah. Me and my mom talk about everything. Best friends. We're, we're, we're best here's friends. my favorite enmeshed, right? You know who I'm going to say? You know who I hate more than anyone? Lorelai and Roy Gilmore. I think I've talked about it on the show. I fucking hate Lorelai and Roy. You know, I've never watched the Gilmore Girls, but please. It's an amazing oh, show. For the record, no. I love Gilmore Girls. No, I mean, For the what record, is the, I'm saying, I've watched it like? 10 million times. And for so long, I was like, oh my God, they have the best relationship. And then I became a therapist and I was like, oh, this is fucked to shit, man. Because. Lorelai treated Rory as way older than she should have been. She was really parentified. But then when Rory had an when Lorelai had an issue with something that Lori was doing, she would come in as like mom mode, right? So she would switch off. So when we say this idea as a meshment as boundaries are unclear, that's actually a really good example. And yet all of us, like, you know, in the early 2000s were watching Gilmore Girls, like, they're amazing. I wish I had this I relationship with my relationship. Yeah, right, right. So I think in the media, it's like it's looked at is this is something that's really really positive and that's also couples that share a facebook account that shit's weird too what who does that is that a thing man this is a thing what's what do they make their name the millers or something you know (laughs) oh my god it's like a house yeah (laughs) but i think on the outside we look and we think god look how happy them in their joint facebook or their mother-daughter relationship and this is the grass is always greener, right? Like, so you're so, right. I do think it's romanticized and idealized in a lot of ways. Well, and because the opposite of enmeshment is this disengagement where yeah. there's psychological isolation that results from overly rigid boundaries around individuals and subsist systems in a family. Yeah. So that's why like people are very distant from each other. Right. right? Or and like, so like and so the term you might think of for that is like children should be seen, not heard, right? So that's right. like a disengage. And that's like if we look at like very typical like 1950s we would talk I know in last week's episode we talked about this like the disengaged father right so like the kids were supposed to like be at the door to greet him and not really talk during dinner and like this incredibly boundary relationship but then um the kids would know like everything and anything about the mom right so like these are sort of examples of how these can play out and so, so yeah. So ideally, you know, you want to have a balance between the two. So closeness in a relationship is where the kids, it's very clear, um, the subsystems of the parents, that there's that dynamic, that it's a health and, and it's boundaried off in a very healthy way, where the kids are very aware of the parents' dynamic, that they are parents, um, and that they're able to stay connected to each other without these um, confusing boundaries. Yeah. Right? These boundaries aren't skewed in some way where the where the kids aren't parentified. Um, the parents are able to set boundaries, um, but they're not overly rigid. So there's some sort of balance. I love it, right? Okay, so I want to get to questions, right? Because we could talk about this all day, but really we want to answer your exact questions. So you ready, Jen? I'm ready. We'll start out. Okay, so the first person wrote in, recently married, how to communicate to my parents that it's me and my husband who make decisions etc. together and it's inappropriate for them to heavily weigh in. This is a really hard one, right? Because like your parents probably 
made so much of their life around you. And you can see, yeah. And there's, so it might speak to the fact that your relationship with them may have been someone enmeshed before you started a new relationship with your husband and creating a a family dynamic um, within your subsystem with them. And And so what that might look like for all of us. So enmeshment isn't like we talk, enmeshment doesn't have to be like we talk 30 times on the, a day on the phone or we just like share a bed with my mom still. Like a measurement can look like, um, I can't make decisions without their opinion. I call them first before everything. And like, right. So that's not the same as like you're doing your taxes and you ask your dad for help or right. like getting your car done. And they're like, you need, you get your tires changed and you like run to the back and secretly call your dad. And you're like, do I, are they like, you know, we <laughs> right. We need that. <laughs> There's some stuff we're like, I don't fucking know. I'm still figuring this out. Like in my adulthood. Well, it's almost, it's almost like, and we talked about this last time is the difficulty in making that transition yeah. from um, parent, our parents are relating to us as adults now and we're connected to them as adults ourselves. And so as we grow up, um, they have trouble making that transition. And sometimes we have trouble making that transition. And then when we form our own own families, it's important to boundary off our new created family, um, to be able to set those, those boundaries for us in a different way, separate from your parents. And that transition is really difficult for a lot of people to make. We are so excited to share our newest sponsor with you all, Hungry Root. Hungry Root is the easiest way to get fresh, high-quality groceries and simple, healthy recipes delivered to your door. The team at Hungry Root just sent me a new box full of amazing stuff. It was literally like I was opening a present going through it. Seeing what was inside and trying everything was just so thrilling. In my Hungry Root box was chicken salad, veggies, dumplings, shakes, cookies, and so much more. My favorite thing I tried was the drumroll donuts. I highly recommend them. The ordering process could not have been more simple. You take a fun, short quiz and Hungry Root will get to know your personal health goals, what you like to eat, the kitchen appliances you use, and more. Then they'll build you a personalized cart with all of your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to good use. Hungry Root will recommend recipes and groceries based on your personal tastes, but each order is fully customizable. Take their suggestions or choose anything you want. They've got fresh produce, high quality meat and seafood, pantry staples, healthy snacks, sweets, ready-to-eat meals, and much more. Hungry Root has made my daily meal prep so much easier. The mental load of grocery shopping is exhausting, and Hungry Root gives me back that mental energy. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Shrink Chicks listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com shrinkchicks to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com shrinkchicks. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. When bloggers or influencers post their outfit links, nine times out of 10, I click on it and immediately exit because the price is bananas. It wasn't until recently that I clicked on something expecting it to be the usual out of my price range sweater and it was under $60 at Quince. Quince has become my ultimate destination for luxury essentials that won't break the bank. Let me tell you about some of the gems I found at Quince, from their 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters starting at just $50, to their washable silk tops and dresses, organic cotton sweaters, and stunning 14 karat gold jewelry. Quince offers a range of high-quality items at prices that are truly within reach. And here's the best part. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Yes, you heard that right. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out 
the middleman passing the savings on to us. I recently got my hands on one of their washable silk tops, and let me tell you, it has become a staple in my wardrobe. Not only is it incredibly versatile, I've worn it to work, out with friends, and even dressed it up for a date night, but the quality is unmatched. Give yourself the luxury you deserve with Quince. Go to quince.com slash shrinkchicks for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash shrinkchicks to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash shrinkchicks. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, we're not answering the question. (laughs) Well, no, but it's interesting because I think it's something to think about. It was what we talked about in last week's episode. Someone had asked the question, like, do you think this generation is closer than their parents from before? And I think that there is a lot of truth to that for some of us, right? So we've gotten really used to... um, calling and asking for a parents me. I remember when I was first pregnant, you know, my husband was like reading this book and I'm sure he read one chapter. Um, but <laughs> my husband like reads the first chapter of every book, but he's never finished one. Okay. So I remember him reading this book and literally in like the first like two pages, it's, it was talking about like how to support your wife during pregnancy or like preparing for a child or some shit. Right. And it's like in the first chapter, like first 10 pages. Um, one of the things that will happen, that, that could happen while your wife is pregnant is you might feel farther from her and she might get closer to her mom mm. because you've never gone through this and her mom has. Mm. So she might be calling her mom about, I don't feel the baby kicking or I don't understand this thing this doctor said, or I have to make this question about my birth plan or whatever. And you can't help her with these things. You literally don't have the knowledge to. And so you might feel your wife pull away and see, watch her get closer with her own mother. And I thought that that was really unique because at the time I was calling my mom 30 times a day from severe anxiety with my pregnancy, especially because of the infertility stuff we had already gone through. Did you, so you had that experience where you did actually feel closer to your mom during that time? Absolutely. I called my mom for everything. And after my daughter came, I still called my mom. My husband had never had a newborn before. My mother had had multiple. Right. Right. So, you so, know, so like that, it made a lot of sense for me to talk to her. But that's an example. So that in itself is not enmeshment. No, exactly. Right. So that does, and that's what I mean about like, just because you're talking right now, if I completely disengaged from my husband and only communicated with my mom or made all of my big decisions based on just my mom's opinion and not my husband. Right. Yes. There was like no clear boundaries set between us two that at the end of the day was my husband and I's child. That would be a measurement. So, and that's it, like, if you were to lean on your mom and emo- just on your mom emotionally, yes. right. And there was no, cause you're, then the boundaries are getting skewed. So you can really look at it as like, when do these boundaries get skewed? Right. Yes. And so this question, it's, it's yeah, a very, healthy, married. it's a life change transition. So it's a life, so, it's, so one it's of the a very people. healthy question to ask, first yes. of all, because the fact that you're even understanding that you and your husband are now creating the subsystem that sets these boundaries with your parents is really important. Some people don't even realize that that's a transition that they have yeah. to make. Well, and like this other part about like at all life stage transitions, you're probably going to have to reset some boundaries yeah. with your parents, with your partner, with your siblings, with whatever that may look like. So and you know what? Part, yeah. No one really prepares you for the way in which your all of your relationships might yeah. change during these transitions. Yeah. 
Like, you know, and I always think about like, um, I think about like one of the things when I work with women a lot, especially around body image is like, sometimes they're trying to fit themselves into clothes from like 10 fucking years ago. And we tend to do that, right? Keep shoving ourselves into shit that doesn't work anymore. Whether that's clothes, whether that's relationships, whether that's the same boundaries, this stuff has to be reevaluated and edited all the time. All the time. And so this person's asking this amazing question of how do I communicate this? And I think it's the communicating, like one, you have to, you and your partner are on the same page about what you want to communicate, right? The number one thing you want to look at. And do you know what you want to communicate? And is it coming from a place of love and compassion and not anger and resentment? Because what we don't want is that we, one of the things that happens, we talk about this cycle of anger and guilt. If we feel um we try to set up a boundary right like so like let's say like i'm feeling overwhelmed by a family member calling so i set up a boundary and then they don't like that fucking boundary because it doesn't really help them it only helps me so they give me some type of um guilt trip so they say something along the lines i say to them here's the example we're gonna use i say to them hey i'm actually not available to spend time during this day i really need um alone time and they say oh i was really looking forward to it i really missed you you mean so much to me we always have so much fun together and they're like oh fuck now i feel like an asshole they gave me this compliment so then they're like all right you know what i can just do it another time absolutely let's like you know go to the park or whatever the fuck we're going to that day right well you really needed that alone time but you let go of your boundary and then you let go of your boundary. You didn't stay true and authentic to yourself. And you also didn't give yourself that self-care. So then you're feeling more burnt out. So then you're resentful. And then when you're resentful, you lash out. So then let's say you ignore them for two weeks because you actually really pissed at them mm-hmm. and you're pretending. And then you feel guilty for ignoring them for two weeks and the cycle starts fucking all over again. <laughs> and here's the thing is that if we avoid these conversations, your emotions will continue to build. And so, um, so that's kind of what we want to avoid is the lashing out and having these conversations, right? So you really want to work through the emotion that has come up for you over this time. Uh-huh. So that when you're, and you're not having these conversations in the middle of like a blowout where you're yeah. saying, um, nothing goes well. Once you've already got to a certain like emotional reactivity point, it's not good. Right. So if you're asking how to communicate, one of the ways to think about how to not communicate, what we don't want is anger, guilt, manipulation. And that includes weaponizing your tears. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, if you don't set these boundaries, then you're also enabling the other person to continue to have the same behavior. Yeah. Right. And, and in setting these boundaries, you almost have to expect that there might be pushback in your relationships yeah. because in those relationships, they're used to you not having the boundary or they're used to you not having this subsystem with your husband, right? Because you guys are newly married. This is just something you formed. And so they're not used to you having this other subsystem setting these boundaries around the relationship yet and so it's it's quite possible that you will get pushback just because you get pushback or you get you know guilted in some way doesn't mean that you need to let go of your boundary you can continue to hold your boundary it's actually important for you to hold your boundary because yeah. not uh, the cycle you'll get thrown right back into that cycle so expect in a way that you're going to yeah. get pushback from the other person so let's give you two tips right here two tips for the communication. So the first tip we're going to give you is called a stroke and a kick. So the stroke and the kick is I'm going to say something uh, kind. It's a stroke and then a kick, right? So the so the kind is in this in this example of how to communicate with my parents, right? 
um, the kindness is, I love you that you are so invested in our new house that we bought and the projects we're doing. It means so much that you are so invested in this. And John and I, or Susie and I, are going to make the decision for ourselves, but we can't wait to tell you when we're done. So that's a stroke and a kick. It's saying something nice and engaging and then also a boundary, right? The second tip is yes and as opposed to yes but. Yes, I love that you're helping me with the house, but I don't want your and dad's opinion. As opposed to yes, um, I yes, I am like so happy they're helping us and I'll clue you in when when you know me and my partner make the decision. Can we pause it for a second? I'm so sorry. Okay, um, obviously, <laughs> it's really important to know that that recording just had to get paused because the funniest thing about still doing a podcast out of your house <laughs> is there's like babies husband. crying and husbands. <laughs> so if you're wondering yeah. why did Emily just sound like her voice was shaking on that last thing, it was because I was making gestures to her that <laughs> it had to be paused. <laughs> Listen, we're we're doing our best over here, and this all podcast is all about being authentic. So we're yeah, gonna like right to exactly do the <laughs> you know exactly what's going on. That we are right there with you. In the okay, in one of our very first episodes, I burped in the middle, and like, do you think that we cut it out? And now looking back for us, for did we ever cut it out? I think it was. I, just, I think I was like, I don't want to cut that out. <laughs> I don't know. I should. We have to go back and listen to it a million episodes ago. <laughs> it's just me burping. I did back in if you want to. We're really going for authenticity here. Okay, so there's two tips for the stroke and the kick, and then the yes and as opposed to yes but both of those invite conversations. They set a boundary with kindness. You can do both. All right. All right. Our next, next question. question. Tips for supporting a partner and making boundaries with a mesh mom and sister. So one, another thing we really want to normalize in this podcast is asking people what type of support they need. So when someone comes to you and says they're struggling, I want you to say, are you looking for advice? Are you looking for empathetic listening? Are you looking to just have a place to vent? Ask people what they need. I think it's really common for us to want to give advice or, you know, and a lot of times people actually know themselves pretty well of what they actually need. And I want to encourage us all to like have that, what feels really weird conversation actually gives people a lot more support. So I, I think our, yeah, right. Yeah, as you said, our initial inclination is that like, oh, we need to fix this in some way, right? Like someone's yeah. coming to us. Well, especially when we love someone. Right. And where there's, we believe that, oh, they're coming to us because they want us to do something about it. When sometimes the best thing that you can do is just validate what they're going through and just be there for them. Um, but once again, you can ask them what they need and no one really teaches you that you're able to do this in your relationships. And going back to that conversation that we had in grad school, where I was just like, well, what, what are you going through? What's happening for you? Emily did not need for me to be a therapist in those moments. She no, I just wanted to bitch. She went to bed. She was dating her now husband at the time. And I think you were upset about something. He was, and he just we realized that we were going to be long distance another two years. We yes. had us been long distance a long time. Yeah. got an up in a different opportunity in a different city. And was and it Emily, Emily just wanted to be like, yeah, fuck that guy. Like, so <laughs> right. Like I had to be, I was supposed to be like, but I lost my social skills. So anyway, yeah. In, 
So now, but maybe, know. but you didn't know. That's the thing is like, right? Like I it's an know. assumption. Like you had no idea. And I also didn't say, and the other thing is one, let's normalize asking people what they need, but also let's normalize saying, Hey, I'm going to come to you right now. And I just need to vent, yeah. right? And I don't grad, actually need you to say school, anything. Grad school was like a circle jerk of like, oh, talking about your feelings, getting deeper. And so we were on my couch in a completely different environment. And so it's, it's so important to have those conversations with people, you know, and love yeah. and in, so, and whether it's in your romantic relationships or with your family to say, what are you looking for right now? What's going on for you? And if you feel like people are just dumping on you and you're not able to set those boundaries, it's also important to know that you can set those boundaries in those relationships by saying, listen, I understand you're going through something, but I don't have the space to be able to be there for you in the way that you need. And if yes. I don't, ex if I don't express that to you, then I'm not being a good friend. I'm not being a good, whatever. Um, that it's okay to say that too, because you might not have the space to be able to be there. After we see so many clients, I don't have the space a lot of times to be no. there. Our poor spouses. Do you feel <laughs> bad for them? Yes, I really do. <laughs> after my clients, I'm just like, I don't want to talk to anyone. No, sometimes I, my husband comes home in a bad mood. I'm just like, sucks, man. She should probably talk to someone about that. Right. And like, usually the next day I'm able to go back, but like, we all like just have a limit as human beings. And like, especially as women, we're often like just so constructed to be like emotional caretakers. It's so easy for us to keep getting thrown into that. Yes. And like, and like we said before in the show, the balance between selflessness and selfishness is self-care and self-care is boundaries. And for so, you know what your limit is too, right? Yes. Like, Sometimes if we don't understand what our limit is, we might just like feel a building and then we could get reactive, right? Yeah. If we're not setting those boundaries. Yeah. So, um, so for tips for supporting a partner, one, ask them what they're really looking for for you. And then to say, you know, what do we need as a couple, right? What do we need in our partnership? And you know what? Maybe your partner is not ready for change to set up boundaries with their mother and sister, but maybe that doesn't work for you. And you are allowed to do that. We do not have to have the same exact boundaries as our partner. We're allowed to be two separate functioning people. Um, any other tips from you, Jen, do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think you said it. So I was just, okay. <laughs> I was, to, to be honest, I was looking at the next question. <laughs> okay. Let's go to it then. Let's go to it. So divorced parents, how to handle guilt, anxiety that comes along with spending time with the other parent and their significant other. And this I is hard one because so much of it depends on what is the current relationship between all these people, right? I, and I, I think that it speaks to the current relationship between all It also speaks it's to- it's not great. <laughs> it's not great. It also speaks to maybe where you might have been put in the middle of yeah. these relationships. And were you put in the middle of their whole divorce? Exactly. And so what that is called is triangulation. And we, Ooh, talk, yep. we talked about this in, did we talk about this in the last one? I actually don't know if we did. I don't think we okay, did. So we let's, tell, let's tell you what triangulation is. So triangulation is when you bring a third party into um, a dyad. And oh, wait, we definitely did talk about this. Did, right and, but, yeah. but, and like the thing we didn't talk about that was like triangulation could be anything triangulation could be like we just like me and one friend who like have issues together always smoke pot or drink together right like triangulation doesn't have to be a person triangulation could be like a dog it can be like a, a pet like uh 
me and me and my husband will talk to each other through my dog. <laughs> we triangulate him constantly. Can I hear an example of that? Yeah. So for an example, I'd be like, um, Louis said he really wants you to take him to the park today and you haven't taken him to the park in a while. And, and what you're really saying is I feel like I've like, been taking the dog more. Or like, please take the dog out. Right. right. Okay. So, but if you say it through the dog, like the dog is really upset. And so it's fine with the dog because Louis has no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> it doesn't affect him. But here's the problem. When you do that with your the children, children fucks them up. Children that it really fucks them up, right? Where you're like, listen, little Sadie is really upset. She was crying to me that you don't spend enough time with her and you don't do this. What you're really saying is that I want you to be more engaged with the family. Yeah. I really, I need some more connection. I need some more love. But when you're doing it with the child, then all of the anxiety is put onto that, onto that kid. Yes. And the kid sucks up all the anxiety in your relationship, right? And it can and all, it also leads into being incredibly parentified, right? Like the thing is like, if you, let's say you're going through a bad divorce and your like, parents are going through a bad divorce and they said to you growing up, well, you know, your father, he doesn't seem to be able to show up when he says he can. I mean, what did you just say? And then I think it's like an important thing to talk about splitting. Right. So splitting, like when we split someone, if you think about one of my favorite things, um, we look Bryn Sicipio, our old, ther- our old supervisor. Our episode. We love Bryn. I remember her giving me a really great visual, which is like when you talk badly about one of your child's other parent, we are half and half, right? So if I am half of my, um, one parent, one and half of parent two, and then you're telling me parent one is bad. You just told me half of me is bad. You've literally just ripped me in half. And you caused splitting and alienation. Children look to their parents to understand who they are, right? They they identify with their parents. They say, okay, this feels like something that I connect to. And so if you are talking negatively about the other parent to your child, which is also another form of triangulation where you're talking negatively about the parent to the child or to someone else in general, um, then the child starts to feel like, oh, you must be saying something bad about me, right? Yeah. And then the child feels stuck in between the two. I think a lot of people do this too in like friendships, right? Where you're like upset with someone um, but you're uncomfortable with the conflict of it. And so you'll talk to someone else and try to get them on your side to validate your own opinion, right? That's another form of triangulation. Um, and the tough thing is that it puts the other person in the middle and then nothing gets solved, right? Because you're not addressing the, um, what you want to say to the person on and the other person just feels stuck in the middle and you're just pulling other people in to validate your own Skeptical about custom beauty? I get it. My feet is flooded with customize this and personalize that, all promising to fix my fine lines and thinning hair, but when pros says custom, they actually mean it. It's no gimmick. Your formula couldn't exist without you. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. They get personal. Pros covers everything from your concerns to your age, exercise, and stress levels in order to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. They asked me about my hair loss being genetic in my family, how long it takes for my hair to get oily after a wash, what products and tools I use to style my hair, and even my zip code to understand how the water hardness, UV index, and cold dry winter in Philly might be impacting me. Next, they recommended a full routine of truly personalized products, which were only produced after I placed my order. Nothing pre-mixed, nothing off the shelf. Since 
I switched to pros, I've noticed my hair is so much softer, shinier, and fuller. I keep getting asked if I got a blowout from the salon. But don't just take my word for it. In a third-party double-bind dermatologist-supervised clinical controlled study, aka the gold standard in research studies, pros prove that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or get your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering my listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash shrinkchicks for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash shrink chicks. Say goodbye to the cheap razor era, my friends. It's time to treat your body to the premium shave it deserves with Athena Club. Em and I just got back from an amazing trip to the Caribbean to celebrate our 10-year anniversary of our practice, the therapy group. And in haste of packing, because yours truly is a packing procrastinator, I forgot my Athena Club razor at home and had to resort to using a subpar flimsy razor that left my skin feeling anything but smooth, a mistake I will never make again. The Athena Club hype is real. The shave is seriously the smoothest I've ever experienced, and that is especially evident after having to use another razor in its absence. Aside from the amazing smoothest, let me tell you why Athena Club's razor kit is a must-have in your self-care routine. First off, can we talk about the price? At just $10, it's an absolute steal. But don't let the price fool you. This razor packs a serious punch. It comes with a beautifully made ergonomic handle and two super sharp razor heads that deliver an incredibly smooth shave every time. Plus, with the included magnetic hook, storage is a breeze. No more dealing with gooby blades or unexpected midnight shower crashing sound surprises. And the quality of the shave is top notch. Those five precision engineered blades glide effortlessly, leaving you a silky smooth skin every time. Plus, the water activated serum and built-in skin guards ensure a comfortable irritation-free shave. Are you ready to upgrade your shaving experience? Switch to the best razor on the market and show your skin you care with Athena Club. Head over to athenaclub.com to try their award winning razor and body products and get 20% off your first purchase with code shrinkchicks at checkout. You can also find Athena Club razors at your local Target store. Trust me, you won't look back. Happy shaving. So wait, we should talk about, um, okay, so we talked a little bit about like Bowen family systems theory, I believe. Um, I don't know if we, I don't know if we actually named it, but so a lot of this, so uh, most of this information comes from Bowen's family systems theory. Um, It's what I wrote my graduate thesis on. Jen loves it as well. It's something we've both really related to. Let's remember, it's a little bit, um, it's once again written by an old white guy. (laughs) I I wouldn't say it is feminine energy oriented. There is like, people believe that, you know, so whatever, there's criticisms to all theories. Let's keep that in mind. Okay. But one of the things that this motherfucker Bowen did was he fucking blasted his family shit up. He goes to a fuck, so he's doing all this work on triangulation, on boundaries, enmeshment, whatever. This motherfucker goes to this huge family therapy conference, and the way he presents his research is he fucking, he just does all his family secrets on stage <laughs> he blasts his family he's just like here's how i'm gonna detriangulate. i'm gonna fucking put it all out in the open and he blasts all of his family secrets on this so, so and so that's the way that you detriangulate. is you, <laughs> you like that you don't have to do it like that you don't have to go up to the person but to if so if someone's trying to triangulate you right and you always feel like you're put in the middle of things so this is a really good example where a parent is talking to you about the other parent 
the way that you detriangulate, and if you're a child, this should not be your responsibility. Um, if you're an adult and this has been happening for a really long time, what you can say is, listen, that sounds like it's really hard for you. Maybe that's something you should talk to mom about. Maybe that's something you should talk to your ex about, that yeah. this isn't something um, that is my responsibility to take on. Or like, you know, or, and you could say, it really hurts me when you talk about my other parent like that, you know, right. like I still love them and I don't want to be in the middle of this. And I know you guys have stuff. And I think this is really hard, especially when there is like a lot of ill will, right? Like, let's say that there is like, and like, this is the importance of people. No, we don't believe divorce is bad, but there's a good and a bad way to handle divorce. Right. And like, and now there's, I mean, there's fucking mediation programs. There's so many supports you can get conscious uncoupling, like Gwyneth Paltrow loves that shit, you know? <laughs> and so there's healthy ways to do breakups, but when it's an unhealthy breakup, it really can be very bad for children. I and mean, that, you have to talk about that when there's an unhealthy relationship and an unhealthy divorce, there we have indicators of higher rates of depression, anxiety, suicide, lower life, you know, terms. And this question really speaks to the fact that you might have been asked to take care of one of these parents during the divorce, yeah. right? How to handle guilt and anxiety that comes along with spending time with the other parent and their significant other, I guess is that you uh, felt responsibility to take care of the other parent. Okay. Yeah. And so maybe you were parentified in that relationship. Um, or maybe so, you feel bad. Maybe parent one really fucked over parent two and you feel right. like, and you know. And that's the other thing is like sometimes kids know too much, right? So if you know that, you know, your dad cheated on your mom for all these years, you might like feel some type of way about feeling like loyal towards your other parents. Right. So the way that that's going to come from handling guilt and anxiety is giving yourself permission to do this, that you get permission to have a relationship with your parents because you choose, not because of what's, you know, your other parent one is saying. Right. Or taking, or taking care of one of the yep. parents. You are the child in this situation, even if you're an adult, mm -hmm. right? And it isn't your responsibility to take care of their emotions throughout right. this divorce or whatever happened in their relationship, that that was always their responsibility. And unfortunately, it might have been the case that you got stuck in the middle, you were parentified, you knew too much information. Yeah. It is your responsibility now to take care of you and to make sure that you're taking care of your needs yeah. and giving yourself the permission to have relationships mm -hmm. with both parents because they are both your parents. And I think that this can also really come from, um, let's say that you have, you have parents that are divorced and one parent that got remarried or is in another relationship and the other one who's single. And there's a lot of guilt because they talk to you about how lonely they are. And it feels like, you know, right? Like, so you go to these family functions, you know, like maybe one side of your family is really big and the other one's not. And so that's really hard. And so I think it's really important to then to say like, okay, so I have to figure out other ways to make this time with parent one really special, right? Like to like actively think about that. So you feel good about your decision, but we have to remember that guilt is a useless fucking emotion. Mm. All it does is make us feel stuck and small. And so mm. that feeling of guilt, think about one, where do you feel in your body and what do you need to say back to it? And what do you need to say back to that, eight-year-old child who was feeling like struggle when their parents were getting divorced what did your inner child need because they probably need permission to just be a kid and live their life and not be involved in their parents divorce and you actually deserve the same grace now just as that little child and the way you heal that inner child is by doing it for yourself now
beautiful. Thank you. I love inner child work. It's so good because also like it hit, it really hits you. It does hit you. And I also think like another thing, like becoming a mom for me allowed me to have so much more grace for myself because I look at my 18 month old daughter. I'm just like, oh my God, you don't like, you're so innocent. Like, you know, nothing, right? Like, like all you do is feel shit and I have reactions to your shit that you're not trying, you know, like, and my favorite thing, you know, that I read about, we do, I talked about this before, we do the Montessori method with my daughter. And it is that your daughter, your child is having a hard time. They're not giving you a hard time. There's Mm. a difference, right? And so the same thing we can also relate to most people in our life. Most people are having a hard time. Right. That's it. And as children, because we're so young and our parents are going through their own shit, they projected their own shit onto us, unfortunately, yeah. right? As because we're imperfect adults, yeah. and so, but as children, we take that on. We feel responsible for it. It feels, and you know, a lot of the times, why you know, when parents get divorced and kids blame themselves, is because if the child blames themselves, then they feel as if they have more control over yeah. it, right? So if I blame myself and I say, oh, I must have done something wrong to make them get divorced, then I could change my behavior. I could be- Control some shit. And I can take control of this situation, right? And so, but then child grows up to blame themselves for their parents' divorce. But I think we often do that as adults too, is that we feel like, okay, if I blame myself for the reason why this relationship ended, right, then I would have more control over the next relationship, mm-hmm. right? Or if I blame myself for the reason why coronavirus started, <laughs> then I, I will it. have control. <laughs> I will have control over this, right? Like maybe it's if I, I wanted to work from home more, and now I've manifested <laughs> a deadly disease, <laughs> <laughs> right? But but it's kind of like if maybe if I know more information, maybe if I you know, if, if you really take it in, put it all in on yourself, and it feels like maybe you have control over something that's actually just out of your control. And the world is very scary and unsafe for adults. And it's, it's even scarier for children. They actually have no control and no say over their lives. And so yeah. the way in which they try to gain that control is to take it, take responsibility onto themselves. Yeah. So try to notice if that's something you did too. Did you take responsibility and say, well, what can I do to make sure that this isn't happening in my parents' relationship? Mm-hmm. And do I need to be the good child? Do I need to take care of this parent? Do I need to show loyalty to this parent? Um, that you end up putting it all on yourself. So that's something else to think about. Absolutely. Okay. So okay. the best way to deal with highly critical parents you still want to be in your life. I wow. think, yeah, this is a really hard one, right? Because the fear we had talked about in last week's episode, the fear about setting boundaries is that people will leave you. Yeah. So like when you talk about this, like you still want them to be in your life, like, you know, as family therapists, there is a time and place for appropriate cutoff. We do not believe that just because someone shares genetics with you means that they get to be in your life. If someone is abusive, if someone can, you know what I mean? Like physically, emotionally, psychologically, right? Like there are certain people, whether we... Ah, whether we share the same genetics and blood with them or not, like doesn't mean people have to be in our life. But if we want someone in our life and we feel that they're highly critical towards us, I think you have to say like, what is going to work, right? Because sometimes when we, the reason that we talked about the different types of boundaries in last week's episode is sometimes we're not actually able to set a boundary that they stop doing their behavior. We have to set a boundary where we stop giving a fuck that they do that behavior mm. because they might not stop criticizing you. 
right? You try to set up the boundary and try to say, please don't speak to me that way, or it really hurts me when you say that, or ouch is a really great just reaction. But sometimes that doesn't stop because they're so in their own shit and they're not doing their own work. And that's when we have to decide that we can care about someone without caring their shit. I think one of the hardest things too I see is kind of accepting the relationship you do have with a parent or family member and grieving the relationship that you wanted to have or you expected to have in some way. And that, you know, oftentimes we'll see friends, we'll see it on TV that like people have these very specific relationships with parents and we grow up thinking, oh, that's what this should look like. And the fact of the matter is it should look like that. You know, you should have that type of relationship, but um, because your parent maybe just because something should doesn't mean it's real. Exactly. And so maybe your parent was treated that way from their parent. They have not dealt with their own shit in order to parent you in the way that you needed and you deserved. Um, and so I think that w- that's one of the hardest things too, is kind of grieving the relationship that you wish that you had with your parent. Mm-hmm. Um, and really letting go of that idea that, okay, it's going to turn into that someday. Yeah. I think that's really, really hard. Yeah. Um, and that we keep expecting, okay, maybe if once again, it's turning it in on yourself. Maybe if I change this, maybe if I do this differently, maybe they'll stop criticizing me, right? Maybe if I change myself, they'll stop criticizing me. Yeah. The fact of the matter is them criticizing you has everything to do with them. Yes. And Thing to do with you and the unrealistic high standard they hold for themselves and that they they project onto you Absolutely. and I think that like you know we could sit here and tell you the textbook therapeutic best response to some of this bullshit and it still might not change shit right and so that at some point you have to say okay so what does this mean for some of us it means well then I guess I'll stop sharing with them about my romantic life right right like if they can't hear anything about your career without criticizing it I guess they don't get the the privilege of hearing about your career you can share you can decide what you share with your family there's a difference between privacy and secrecy and i think all of us need to define that for ourselves and in grieving the relationship you expect to have it's forming the relationship and choosing what to let your parent into and what to set boundaries with right so if you do want to keep them in your life then to really define like what does that look like what is going to be a healthy way to keep them in my life and maybe maybe it's only talking to them on the phone certain amounts of time maybe it's only seeing them certain amount of time a year that like there is no one specific way to have a relationship and you get to define what feels healthy and what feels boundaried for you. Absolutely. Grieving that expected relationship, you get to also form your idea of what feels like a healthy level of connection with this parent that is really critical. Absolutely. What feels safe for you. Um, Okay. um, Help parents who guilt trip you for not doing enough with them. No spouse or children. Hmm. So this, the person writing in has no spouse or children. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Wait, I, I'm asking you that question. That's yeah. what you're doing oh. right, right now. So they'll check me for now. Yeah, I, 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 oh, yeah, the parent definitely has a child. <laughs> it's Is you. that how that works? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. The parent has a child. Okay, I great. So, um, guilt trip for now. Okay, so let's have a conversation about guilt trips. <laughs> Guilt trips are done on purpose for you to loosen your boundaries. 
So you set a boundary of doing limited amount with his parents. And the reason they're guilt tripping you is to tear down your boundary. Just because someone guilt trips you does not mean you have to let down your boundary. And I don't know how to say this lightly, but guilt trips are a form of manipulation. Yeah, they are, right? right? And, and the number one, and so is people pleasing. And so is weaponizing our tears and sadness. You know what I mean? Like we think of manipulation as like, um, you know, I think we think of manipulation as like in anger, or like cattiness, but sometimes it is so much more covert, or, um, covert than that. Yeah. Like, and so, so if you're, if your parent is saying like, oh, you never spend time with me or I'm so yeah. lonely and I feel like you don't come. And so that's the thing is that your parent can guilt trip all they want. Yeah. It is your job to continue to set those boundaries because if you feel the guilt, the guilt trip is working, right? If you feel yeah. the guilt and then react to the guilt by being yes. like, you're right. I'm going to come hang out with you. I'm going to, yeah. then the guilt trip is working. So the question I would ask back to this person is if you weren't receiving a guilt trip, would you actually be okay with the amount of time you're spending with this parent? Mm. And if the answer is yes, then you actually don't have to change anything besides saying every time you get this guilt trip, and I would really recommend having some type of ritual or mantra that you say to yourself. So when you get a guilt trip from this person in your life to say to yourself, every time I receive that text or phone call or whatever the fuck we get, I get the passive aggressiveness. I just wish you would see me more. It would just be so much better if I saw you every week or, this, you know. This feels so familiar from my family. <laughs> Does it? Like guilt trips are like such a form of so Jewish. <laughs> such a Jew. So true. Comes right down from my grandmother. Like my grandmother yes. is literally, I hope she's not listening to this. I'm so sorry. Does your grandmother listen to this podcast? She oh my is not a high. She's incredible. She also like if I post stuff on Instagram, she responds to my Instagram stories. It's beautiful. She's, she's 90 years old. It's amazing. It's incredible. Anyway, so this feels very, very familiar. And like, let's remember, right? People don't guilt trip because they're bad people. Your grandmother's an amazing woman. You just talked about like the love and support. But my grandmother you, right? probably learned that from. Yes. Well, and for so many of us, we've, for so many of us, it's like shameful to actually ask for our needs. And it brings us back to this idea of connection seeking, not attention seeking. We think of manipulation as attention seeking, but it's connection seeking. So anytime someone's trying to guilt trip you, they're trying to connect with you. They're just they, doing it in a fucked up way. Well, and that's how they learn to connect, right? Yes. So they learn. So my mom learned from her mom that the way in which you spend time with each other is that one person guilt trips the other one, right? And so if her mom guilt trips her and says, you never spend time with me. I'm so lonely. And she's like, okay, I'm coming over. Um, she has learned that that's her way of asking for connection from me, as opposed to just saying, like, Jen, hey, you do not do well with that <laughs> at all. <laughs> I Jen don't, does I don't not do well with manipulation. Whether it is positive or negative, Jen does not react well. No, it is not because I am, I really set boundaries there where I'm like, okay, listen, if you're going to guilt trip me, I am going to call you out on the yeah. back of guilt tripping me. Yeah, like that's not fair for me, yeah. That's not fair, right? I would, And I say I would love to spend time with you when I have the space for this, this, and this. I've been very busy this week. Um, and if you, this is how I deal with it. If you want to spend time with me, please let me know. Don't yeah. guilt trip me. Just mm -hmm. tell me I would love to spend time with you. That's Absolutely. It. That's beautiful. 
I just call, call them out. Right. There you go. My poor, uh, my poor family. Like since I've become a therapist, I'm just constantly. I remember. Okay. So Jen's dad's a lawyer and I, I had to use him for something that I was going through in my life. And I like remember talking about something and he was like, Emily, you, when I meet with you, I find out more about Jen's life than like Jen has ever told me. Like your dad was like, everything I know about Jen is from you. So true. When you would go in there, I'd be like, oh no. I'd be like, oh, oh no. did you hear about this like podcast we're setting up or this new office like we're setting up? And your dad be like, no, I know nothing. Yeah, I'm so bantered with my life. Hence why this, doing this podcast and talking about myself is incredibly, so incredibly hard. But you know, still doing it. You've grown so much. Okay, so I think we only have time for one more question. I think so too, but then that takes us into a whole other topic. So maybe we save it for next time. The setting boundaries with an aging parent. No. Oh, like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, we have one more of this. Yeah, so next up, guys, we have so many. We're going to answer every single one of these. We will do this fucking segment of Family Dynamics as long as we have For, for the rest of time. <laughs> so the last question for today we're going to go through is setting boundaries with an aging parent. This is a hard one because when we talk about aging, I don't know if they mean medically aging or like, like uh, mentally, right? So like if we have someone who's going through early onset dementia, Alzheimer's, mm -hmm. there is limits of the boundaries we can set because they're not able to cognitively accept those boundaries, right? right? So there's limits. And, and what that would just mean is like more self-care is needed for you. Like if you are a caregiver to someone who does have some cognitive impairment, you have to just be taking care of yourself more. There's a limit of what you'll be able to do. Now, if there's no cognitive impairment that we're talking about, then I think you have to sort of say like, okay, like what does feel right for me? right? Like what is not about guilt? What's not about shoulds? What's about like what feels right for my soul? And how do I boundary that? For me, like when my grandmother was um, towards the end of her life, she would, no matter how many times we visited her, she would be like, nobody sees me. I was like, I was literally here yesterday, lady. Um, and I- <laughs> Guilt trip. Is that yeah. the Jewish side of your family? No, it's not. The wasp sides. Wasp <laughs> Jewish Jew. I'm half and half. So just- I just see everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, wasps just keep it inside and then just cut you out of their will, I think. Um, right. So, right, so, like, one of the things that I would know is that, like, when I would call my grandmother, I would start the phone call with saying, like, hey, I have, I have an appointment I have to get to in 15 minutes, but I really wanted to check in. So I would start by putting out the boundary. Mm -hmm. So you can show up and say, hey, I'm available for lunch, but I have to leave by two o'clock. I just wanted you to know beforehand. So you can set it up before you even get into it. So then you're not looking for a way out because then you do what you're gonna do with markers, right? So you sit down, you say, oh, I'm so excited to join you for lunch today. Just so you know, I have to go pick up the dog from the groomer at two o'clock. So then that means at 1.30 you say like, oh my God, I'm so, you know, I'm, this has been such a lovely day. I, I have to leave in a half hour. I have to say it out loud to remind myself. You start giving them warnings, right? It's called communication. What we're talking about is attention seeking <laughs> versus connection seeking. And so that person's looking for connection. A connection, people do better, specific, specifically people, there I, I burped again, specifically people with <laughs> <laughs> um, do better with transparency and knowing what's happening. So give more information. That's, and that's, that is a great tactic. You can take that into all of your relationships. Yes. So like, for example, if you have a friend who talked to on the phone and it's someone who loves talking and they, um, text you and they say, Hey, do you have some time to talk? You get to say, yes, I have 15 minutes. Like, give me a call at this time. Right. 
that you have already set the boundary for yeah. yourself by saying, I have this amount of time to be there for you. Right. And so you've already said it. So, and you can do this in your romantic relationships too. Like let's talk on Sunday, you know, for this amount of time. Cause sometimes if it feels never ending or someone feel it's easier for the other person to disengage. So that's a really, that's a really, really good um, tactic to take on, to be able to initially set those boundaries up. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And I think, I mean, that's something we'll even do in our sessions. People like, Hey, like we're getting towards the end of our time. Right. Like, and it gives people transparency. It makes them feel on the same page. And it also makes people not feel blindsided. Right. Yeah. And Setting boundaries, and I think it helps everyone. It's not just you. And it's not, I think some people believe that, oh, it's going to be mean if I set boundaries or I'm doing something against the other person. And actually you're creating safety in your relationship. Absolutely. I'm being very transparent about what I need. I want to be there for you at the same time. Um, But I'm also a person and I need to set these boundaries for Mm -hmm. myself. This is why parents set boundaries with their kids. Like setting boundaries. Even to my 18 month old, I will say to her, hey, we're going to put on our diaper and we're going to put on our outfit for the day and then we're going to go for a walk. And when we're done for a walk, then you can do this, right? Then you'll be doing this. I still communicate all day long so she has an idea of what's going on. So reason we say, we're going to read one more book and then we're going to go to bed, right? I hear you. I see that you want to read these books and still here's the time we set by ourselves, right? It gives all of us routine and security. And then she ignores me completely, doesn't give a fuck what I have to say. You know, I mean... (laughs) Oh, that's another story. No toddler. That's another story. So, so that, so that is our episode for today, guys. That's part two of dynamics. Um, all this information. Break. We have to do a quick shout out. People think we're so good at social media. Nikki is literally the backbone of Shrink Chicks. We've talked about her before. We we have to have Nikki on the podcast. Her family dynamics is a great time. We got to talk. We're just never going to let us bring her on. Never. We talk. And, and there's so many different things. We're like, Nikki, come on. We'll talk to you about I bet we could get her sister Mel on though. Oh yeah. Good idea. Yeah. yeah. So, so all this amazing, all of these um, tips and terms and definitions we're talking about, Nikki will also put onto our social media, on our Instagram. If this, let's be honest, you know, someone in your life, this episode could help. Send this over, subscribe to us. We love doing this. But, you know, help us out, scissors. Um, So subscribe, send this episode over, and follow us on Instagram to learn more about these amazing subjects. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for the privilege of your time tonight. We love you. That is beautiful. Also, before we sign off, I have to let everyone know, Emily has a blanket on her. She's (laughs) covering herself with a blanket. But it kind of looks like like a pashmina, like something. I just look fancy, not depressed. And and there was a point where you, like, flung it off one of your shoulders, and you looked so fancy. And I had to keep myself from laughing. But anyway, just as you were saying, it was a pleasure for your time today. Like, you look so fancy. Thank you. Thank well, you so much. My daughter was up from 1230 to four last night being a wild animal. And we, oh, and we were out, we were without power yesterday for like 14 hours. So it's been a great, it has, oh, and I got, I got a new couch and my cat threw up all over it. <laughs> Yo. It so is, if you're listening to this, like my life sucks right now. Everyone's does. 
it is a rough time, but you know what? We are going to take care of ourselves yep. just as you need to take care of yourselves. Yes. And we're going to set boundaries in our lives, and then we are going to take care of our clients. Yep, and that's where we're at. We love you. Thank you for tuning in. We'll Thank see you, you next week. Take so care of yourself. Much.